Book One, Part Two of Laws by Plato, translated by Benjamin Jowett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book One, Part Two. Megillus, how do you mean? Athenian. All those who are ready at a moment's notice to praise or censure any practice which is matter of discussion seem to me to proceed in a wrong way. Let me give you an illustration of what I mean. You may suppose a person to be praising wheat as a good kind of food, whereupon another person instantly blames wheat without ever inquiring into its effect or use, or in what way, or to whom, or with what, or in what state and how, wheat is to be given. And that is just what we are doing in this discussion. At the very mention of the word intoxication, one side is ready with their praises, and the other with their censures, which is absurd. For either side adduce their witnesses and approvers, and some of us think that we speak with authority because we have many witnesses, and others because they see those who abstain conquering in battle, and this again is disputed by us. Now I cannot say that I shall be satisfied if we go on discussing each of the remaining laws in the same way, and about this very point of intoxication I should like to speak in another way, which I hold to be the right one, for if number is to be the criterion, are there not myriads upon myriads of nations ready to dispute the point with you, who are only two cities? Megillus, I shall gladly welcome any method of inquiry which is right. Athenian, let me put the matter thus. Suppose a person to praise the keeping of goats, and the creatures themselves as capital things to have, and then someone who had seen goats feeding without a goatherd in cultivated spots, and doing mischief were to censure a goat or any other animal who has no keeper or a bad keeper, would there be any sense or justice in such censure? Megillus, certainly not. Athenian, does a captain require only to have nautical knowledge in order to be a good captain, whether he is seasick or not? What do you say? Megillus, I say that he is not a good captain if, although he have nautical skill, he is liable to see sickness. Athenian, and what would you say of the commander of an army? Will he be able to command merely because he has military skill? If he be a coward, who, when danger comes, is sick and drunk with fear? Megillus, impossible. Athenian, and what if, besides being a coward, he has no skill? Megillus, he is a miserable fellow, not fit to be a commander of men, but only of old women. Athenian, and what would you say of someone who blames or praises any sort of meeting which is intended by nature to have a ruler, and is well enough when under his presidency? 
The critic, however, has never seen the society meeting together at an orderly feast under the control of a president, but always without a ruler or with a bad one. When observers of this class praise or blame such meetings, are we to suppose that what they say is of any value? Megillus, certainly not, if they have never seen or been present at such a meeting when rightly ordered. Athenian reflect may not banqueters and banquets be said to constitute a kind of meeting megillus of course athenian and did any one ever see this sort of convivial meeting rightly ordered of course you too will answer that you have never seen them at all because they are not customary or lawful in your country but i have come across many of them in many different places, and moreover, I had made inquiries about them wherever I went, as I may say, and never did I see or hear of anything of the kind which was carried on altogether rightly. In some few particulars they might be right, but in general they were utterly wrong. Cleinias, what do you mean, stranger, by this remark? Explain. For we, as you say, from our inexperience in such matters, might very likely not know, even if they came in our way, what was right or wrong in such societies. Athenian, likely enough. Then let me try to be your instructor. You would acknowledge, would you not, that in all gatherings of mankind, of whatever sort, there ought to be a leader. Cleinias, certainly I should. Athenian, and we were saying just now that when men are at war, the leader ought to be a brave man. Cleinias, we were. Athenian, the brave man is less likely than the coward to be disturbed by fears. Cleinias, that again is true. Athenian, and if there were a possibility of having a general of an army who was absolutely fearless and imperturbable, should we not by all means appoint him? Cleinias, assuredly. Athenian, now, however, we are speaking not of a general who is to command an army when foe meets foe in time of war, but of one who is to regulate meetings of another sort when friend meets friend in time of peace. Cleinias, true. Athenian, and that sort of meeting, if attended with drunkenness, is apt to be unquiet. Cleinias, certainly, the reverse of quiet. Athenian, in the first place, then, the revelers, as well as the soldiers, will require a ruler. Cleinias, to be sure, no men more so. Athenian, and we ought, if possible, to provide them with a quiet ruler. Cleinias, of course. Athenian, and he should be a man who understands society, for his duty is to preserve the friendly feelings which exist among the company at the time, and to increase them for the future by his use of the occasion. Cleinias, very true. Athenian, must we not appoint 
a sober man and a wise to be our master of the revels for if the ruler of drinkers be himself young and drunken and not overwise only by some special good fortune will he be saved from doing some great evil cleinias it will be by a singular good fortune that he is saved athenian now suppose such associations to be framed in the best way possible in states and that some one blames the very fact of their existence he may very likely be right but if he blames a practice which he only sees very much mismanaged he shows in the first place that he is not aware of the mismanagement and also not aware that everything done in this way will turn out to be wrong because done without the superintendence of a sober ruler do you not see that a drunken pilot or a drunken ruler of any sort will ruin ship chariot army anything in short of which he has the direction cleinias the last remark is very true stranger and i see quite clear the the advantage of an army having a good leader he will give victory in war to his followers which is a very great advantage and so of other things but i do not see any similar advantage which either individuals or states gain from the good management of a feast and i want you to tell me what great good will be effected supposing that this drinking ordinance is duly established athenian if you mean to ask what great good accrues to the state from the right training of a single youth or of a single chorus when the question is put in that form we cannot deny that the good is not very great in any particular instance but if you ask what is the good of education in general the answer is easy that education makes good men and that good men act nobly and conquer their enemies in battle because they are good education certainly gives victory although victory sometimes produces forgetfulness of education for many have grown insolent from victory in war and this insolence has engendered in them innumerable evils and many a victory has been and will be suicidal to the victors but education is never suicidal cleinias you seem to imply my friend that convivial meetings when rightly ordered are an important element of education athenian certainly i do cleinias and can you show that what you have been saying is true athenian to be absolutely sure of the truth of matters concerning which there are many opinions is an attribute of the gods not given to man stranger but i shall be very happy to tell you what i think especially as we are now proposing to enter on a discussion concerning laws and constitutions cleinias your opinion stranger about the questions which are now being raised is precisely what we want to hear athenian very good i will try to find a way of explaining my meaning and you shall try to have the gift of understanding me 
but first let me make an apology the athenian citizen is reputed among all the hellenes to be a great talker whereas sparta is renowned for brevity and the cretans have more wit than words now i am afraid of appearing to elicit a very long discourse out of very small materials for drinking indeed may appear to be a slight matter and yet is one which cannot be rightly ordered according to nature without correct principles of music these are necessary to any clear or satisfactory treatment of the subject and music again runs up into education generally and there is much to be said about all this what would you say then to leaving these matters for the present and passing on to some other question of law megillus o oh, athenian stranger let me tell you what perhaps you do not know that our family is the proxenus of your state i imagine that from their earliest youth all boys when they are told that they are the proxeni of a particular state feel kindly towards their second country and this has certainly been my own feeling i can well remember from the days of my boyhood how when any lacedaemonians praised or blamed the athenians they used to say to me see megillus how ill or how well as the case might be has your state treated us and having always had to fight your battles against detractors when i heard you assailed i became warmly attached to you and i always like to hear the athenian tongue spoken the common saying is quite true that a good athenian is more than ordinarily good for he is the only man who is freely and genuinely good by the divine inspiration of his own nature and is not manufactured therefore be assured that i shall like to hear you say whatever you have to say cleinias yes stranger and when you have heard me speak say boldly what is in your thoughts let me remind you of a tie which unites you to crete you must have heard here the story of the prophet epimenides who was of my family and came to athens ten years before the persian war in accordance with the response of the oracle and offered certain sacrifices which the god commanded the athenians were at that time in dread of the persian invasion and he said that for ten years they would not come and that when they came they would go away again without accomplishing any of their objects and would suffer more evil than they inflicted at that time my forefathers formed ties of hospitality with you thus ancient is the friendship which i and my parents have had for you athenian you seem to be quite ready to listen and i am also ready to perform as much as i can of an almost impossible task which i will nevertheless attempt at the outset of the discussion let me define the nature and power of education for this is the way by which our argument must travel onwards to the god dionysus cleinias let us proceed if you please athenian well then if i tell you what are my notions of education will you consider whether they satisfy you cleinias let us hear 
athenian according to my view any one who would be good at anything must practise that thing from his youth upwards both in sport and earnest in its several branches for example he who is to be a good builder should play at building children's houses he who is to be a good husbandman at tilling the ground and those who have the care of their education should provide them when young with mimic tools they should learn beforehand the knowledge which they will afterwards require for their art for example the future carpenters should learn to measure or apply the line in play and the future warrior should learn writing or some other exercise for amusement and the teacher should endeavour to direct the children's inclinations and pleasures by the help of amusements to their final aim in life the most important part of education is right training in the nursery the soul of the child in his play should be guided to the love of that sort of excellence in which when he grows up to manhood he will have to be perfected do you agree with me thus far cleinias certainly athenian then let us not leave the meaning of education ambiguous or ill-defined at present when we speak in terms of praise or blame about the bringing up of each person we call one man educated and another uneducated although the uneducated man may be sometimes very well educated for the calling of a retail trader or of a captain of a ship and the like for we are not speaking of education in this narrower sense but of that other education in virtue from youth upwards which makes a man eagerly pursue the ideal perfection of citizenship and teaches him how rightly to rule and how to obey this is the only education which upon our view deserves the name that other sort of training which aims at the acquisition of wealth or bodily strength or mere cleverness apart from intelligence and justice is mean and illiberal and is not worthy to be called education at all but let us not quarrel with one another about a word provided that the proposition which has just been granted hold good to wit that those who are rightly educated generally become good men neither must we cast a slight upon education which is the first and fairest thing that the best of men can ever have and which though liable to take a wrong direction is capable of reformation and this work of reformation is the great business of every man while he lives cleinias very true and we entirely agree with you athenian and we agreed before that they are good men who are able to rule themselves and bad men who are not cleinias you are quite right athenian let me now proceed if i can to clear up the subject a little further by an illustration which i will offer you cleinias proceed athenian do we not consider each of ourselves to be one cleinias we do athenian and each one of us has in his bosom two counsellors both foolish and also antagonistic of which we call the one pleasure and the other pain cleinias exactly athenian also there are opinions about the future which have the general name of 
expectations and the specific name of fear when the expectation is of pain and of hope when of pleasure and further there is reflection about the good or evil of them and this when embodied in a decree by the state is called law cleinias i am hardly able to follow you proceed however as if i were megillus i am in the like case athenian let us look at the matter thus may we not conceive each of us living beings to be a puppet of the gods either their plaything only or created with a purpose which of the two we cannot certainly know but we do know that these affections in us are like cords and strings which pull us different and opposite ways and to opposite actions and herein lies the difference between virtue and vice according to the argument there is one among these cords which every man ought to grasp and never let go but to pull with it against all the rest and this is the sacred and golden cord of reason called by us the common law of the state there are others which are hard and of iron but this one is soft because golden and there are several other kinds now we ought always to cooperate with the lead of the best which is law for inasmuch as reason is beautiful and gentle and not violent her rule must needs have ministers in order to help the golden principle in vanquishing the other principles and thus the moral of the tale about our being puppets will not have been lost and the meaning of the expression superior or inferior to a man's self will become clearer and the individual attaining to right reason in this matter of pulling the strings of the puppet should live according to its rule while the city receiving the same from some god or from one who has knowledge of these things should embody it in a law to be her guide in her dealings with herself and with other states in this way virtue and vice will be more clearly distinguished by us and when they have become clearer education and other institutions will in like manner become clearer and in particular that question of convivial entertainment which may seem perhaps to have been a very trifling matter and to have taken a great many more words than were necessary cleinias perhaps however the theme may turn out not to be unworthy of the length of discourse athenian very good let us proceed with any inquiry which really bears on our present object cleinias proceed athenian suppose that we give this puppet of ours drink what will be the effect on him cleinias having what in view do you ask that question athenian nothing as yet but i ask generally when the puppet is brought to the drink what sort of result is likely to follow i will endeavour to explain my meaning more clearly what i am now asking is this does the drinking of wine heighten and increase pleasures and pains and passions and loves cleinias very greatly athenian and our perception and memory and opinion and prudence heightened and increased do not these qualities entirely desert a man if he becomes saturated with drink 
cleinias yes they entirely desert him athenian does he not return to the state of soul in which he was when a young child cleinias he does athenian then at that time he will have the least control over himself cleinias the least athenian and will he not be in a most wretched plight cleinias most wretched athenian then not only an old man but also a drunkard becomes a second time a child cleinias well said stranger athenian is there any argument which will prove to us that we ought to encourage the taste for drinking instead of doing all we can to avoid it cleinias i suppose that there is you at any rate were just now saying that you were ready to maintain such a doctrine athenian true i was and i am ready still seeing that you have both declared that you are anxious to hear me cleinias to be sure we are if only for the strangeness of the paradox which asserts that a man ought of his own accord to plunge into utter degradation athenian are you speaking of the soul cleinias yes athenian and what would you say about the body my friend are you not surprised at any one of his own accord bringing upon himself deformity leanness ugliness decrepitude cleinias certainly athenian yet when a man goes of his own accord to a doctor's shop and takes medicine is he not aware that soon and for many days afterwards he will be in a state of body which he would die rather than accept as the permanent condition of his life are not those who train in gymnasia at first beginning reduced to a state of weakness cleinias yes all that is well known athenian also that they go of their own accord for the sake of the subsequent benefit cleinias very good athenian and we may conceive this to be true in the same way of other practices cleinias certainly athenian and the same view may be taken of the pastime of drinking wine if we are right in supposing that the same good effect follows cleinias to be sure athenian if such conviviality should turn out to have any advantage equal in importance to that of gymnastic they are in their very nature to be preferred to mere bodily exercise inasmuch as they have no accompaniment of pain cleinias true but i hardly think that we shall be able to discover any such benefits to be derived from them athenian that is just what we must endeavour to show and let me ask you a question do we not distinguish two kinds of fear which are very different cleinias what are they athenian there is the fear of expected evil cleinias yes athenian and there is the fear of an evil reputation we are afraid of being thought evil because we do or say some dishonourable thing which fear we and all men term shame cleinias certainly athenian these are the two fears as i call them one of which is the opposite of pain and other fears and the opposite also of the greatest and most numerous sort of pleasures cleinias very true athenian and does not the legislator and every one who is good for anything hold this fear in the greatest honour this is what he terms reverence 
and the confidence which is the reverse of this he terms insolence and the latter he always deems to be a very great evil both to individuals and to states cleinias true athenian does not this kind of fear preserve us in many important ways what is there which so surely gives victory and safety in war for there are two things which give victory confidence before enemies and fear of disgrace before friends cleinias there are athenian then each of us should be fearless and also fearful and why we should be either has now been determined cleinias certainly athenian and when we want to make any one fearless we and the law bring him face to face with many fears cleinias clearly athenian and when we want to make him rightly fearful must we not introduce him to shameless pleasures and train him to take up arms against them and to overcome them or does this principle apply to courage only and must he who would be perfect in valour fight against and overcome his own natural character since if he be unpractised and inexperienced in such conflicts he will not be half the man which he might have been and are we to suppose that with temperance it is otherwise and that he who has never fought with the shameless and unrighteous temptations of his pleasures and lusts and conquered them in earnest and in play by word deed and act will still be perfectly temperate cleinias a most unlikely supposition athenian suppose that some god had given a fear potion to men and that the more a man drank of this the more he regarded himself at every draught as a child of misfortune and that he feared everything happening or about to happen to him and that at last the most courageous of men utterly lost his presence of mind for a time and only came to himself again when he had slept off the influence of the draught cleinias but has such a draught stranger ever really been known among men athenian no but if there had been might not such a draught have been of use to the legislator as a test of courage might we not go and say to him o legislator whether you are legislating for the cretan or for any other state would you not like to have a touchstone of the courage and cowardice of your citizens cleinias i should will be the answer of every one athenian and you would rather have a touchstone in which there is no risk and no great danger than the reverse cleinias in that proposition every one may safely agree athenian and in order to make use of the draught you would lead them amid these imaginary terrors and prove them when the affection of fear was working upon them and compel them to be fearless exhorting and admonishing them and also honouring them but dishonouring any one who will not be persuaded by you to be in all respects such as you command him and if he underwent the trial well and manfully you would let him go unscathed but if ill you would inflict a punishment upon him or would you abstain from using the potion altogether although you have no reason for abstaining cleinias he would be certain stranger to use the potion 
athenian this would be a mode of testing and training which would be wonderfully easy in comparison with those now in use and might be applied to a single person or to a few or indeed to any number and he would do well who provided himself with the potion only rather than with any number of other things whether he preferred to be by himself in solitude and there contend with his fears because he was ashamed to be seen by the eye of man until he was perfect or trusting to the force of his own nature and habits and believing that he had been already disciplined sufficiently he did not hesitate to train himself in company with any number of others and display his power in conquering the irresistible change effected by the draught his virtue being such that he never in any instance fell into any great unseemliness but was always himself and left off before he arrived at the last cup fearing that he like all other men might be overcome by the potion cleinias yes stranger in that last case too he might equally show his self-control athenian let us return to the lawgiver and say to him well lawgiver there is certainly no such fear potion which man has either received from the gods or himself discovered for witchcraft has no place at our board but is there any potion which might serve as a test of overboldness and excessive and indiscreet boasting cleinias i suppose that he will say yes meaning that wine is such a potion athenian is not the effect of this quite the opposite of the effect of the other when a man drinks wine he begins to be better pleased with himself and the more he drinks the more he is filled full of brave hopes and conceit of his power and at last the string of his tongue is loosened and fancying himself wise he is brimming over with lawlessness and has no more fear or respect and is ready to do or say anything cleinias i think that every one will admit the truth of your description megillus certainly athenian now let us remember as we were saying that there are two things which should be cultivated in the soul first the greatest courage secondly the greatest fear cleinias which you said to be characteristic of reverence if i am not mistaken athenian thank you for reminding me but now as the habit of courage and fearlessness is to be trained amid fears let us consider whether the opposite quality is not also to be trained among opposites cleinias that is probably the case athenian there are times and seasons at which we are by nature more than commonly valiant and bold now we ought to train ourselves on these occasions to be as free from impudence and shamelessness as possible and to be afraid to say or suffer or do anything that is base cleinias true athenian are not the moments in which we are apt to be bold and shameless such as these when we are under the influence of anger love pride ignorance avarice cowardice or when wealth beauty strength and all the intoxicating workings of pleasure madden us what is better adapted than the festive use of wine in the first place to test and in the second place to train the character of a man if care be taken in the use of it what is there cheaper or more innocent for do but consider which is the greater risk 
would you rather test a man of a morose and savage nature which is the source of ten thousand acts of injustice by making bargains with him at a risk to yourself or by having him as a companion at the festival of dionysus or would you if you wanted to apply a touchstone to a man who is prone to love entrust your wife or your sons or daughters to him perilling your dearest interests in order to have a view of the condition of his soul i might mention numberless cases in which the advantage would be manifest of getting to know a character in sport and without paying dearly for experience and i do not believe that either a cretan or any other man will doubt that such a test is a fair test and safer cheaper and speedier than any other cleinias that is certainly true athenian and this knowledge of the natures and habits of men's souls will be of the greatest use in that art which has the management of them and that art if i am not mistaken is politics cleinias exactly so end of book one